0: Well, good morning. Um, as we come together in worship this morning, I have just a couple of uh, special announcements as many of you have probably already been told. Um, our worship pastor Andrew and Sarah had their little baby boy this morning. Um, so we rejoice with them. Um, Grayson James uh was born at 613 this morning and uh, eight pounds eight ounces and uh, uh, they're doing very well um, and so we just want to lift them up in prayer and rejoice with them and so we're excited for them. Um, also we have a special birthday coming up this week and uh, it's our senior pastor brother Kelly <laughs> and so So if you would let's sing happy birthday to him All right happy birthday to you happy Well, um, some great things to be thankful for. Um, this morning is going to be a little different. Um, we are going to have a prayer service this morning. And uh, we pray that God would just move and, and we welcome him in this place this morning. Um, and obviously, we all know September 11th, uh, most of us in here know where we were that morning. And um, it's an anniversary that we remember and uh, certainly want to pray uh, about. And so, if you would, turn your attention to the screens. Dear God, even though the events of 9-11 took place long ago... Most of us can still recall them like it was yesterday. Some, more than others, are still feeling the effects and the pain. On this day, we remember all those who lost their
1: lives and their loved ones to this terrible tragedy. We lift up their families and their friends and ask for strength, peace, and comfort. We also remember and honor those heroes who stepped in to help, to save, to serve, and we will never forget those who gave their lives for the noble cause of rescuing others. We are forever grateful. We pray blessing and comfort over their families. We pray for the to realize nation, the human we felt in the midst of our struggles and our confusion, we pray for our citizens.
0: Our citizens will look to God for wisdom. But most of all, we pray for the swift return of our Savior, who will one day put an end to all tragedies and to all tears. We love you. And we pray all these things in the powerful name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Would you stand to your feet with me, please? At this time I would like for us to just take a moment of silence and remember those who have been impacted and affected by the tragedy fifteen years ago um, and just take a moment to think and pray for them. Let's take a moment. Would you please be seated? This morning, we want to start out with a word of warning. Um, I'm reminded of a quote, and I'd like for us to read this quote here. Um, It's going to come up on the screen. Um, And it's, it's interesting when this actually was was actually quoted, and I want to see if you guys can think about how or who uh, might have said this quote. Do we have it up there? No? Not yet? Okay. We'll come back to that quote. Hopefully they'll be up there. Can you tell we're in a prayer service? The enemy doesn't want this to happen, right? Um, But the word of warning. Let's go to 2 Timothy 3. Turn in your Bibles to 2 Timothy 3. Chapter 3. And just hold there for a second. 2 Timothy chapter 3. Have you ever come across, maybe you're driving down the road, and all of a sudden you come up on a, a sign, and it's a warning sign. It says something ahead, whether it be rocks falling, or maybe the bridge is out ahead. And boy, oh boy, what would happen if, if you didn't have that warning, tragedy. And here's the thing. We're living in a day and age where there is no warnings anymore. If you go back to the very beginning in Genesis, which I'm excited. Next week, our, our pastor's starting a, a series, a new series in Genesis. And we're going to go back in time to see when time first started and the Lord created things and he created things Perfect. Perfect. It was almost heaven here on earth. But something happened. Many of us know Adam and Eve were created and he told them not to eat from the garden right there in the middle. And of course we know they disobeyed. The first instance of sin occurred right there in the most perfect place that God had designed for them. We realize in that moment God didn't create robots. He didn't want people programmed to love Him. We realized we had a choice. Now it's a choice to love Him or not. And so we see that from that point on, there's a thing inside of us called a sin cancer. And we can come to church and we can do our best to hide this sin cancer, but just simply coming to church doesn't save you. It's almost like if you were a bodybuilder, but you had cancer all up in your bones. We have to deal with it. That's the warning. But guess what? Our day and age, the enemy wants to suppress the warning. Oh, you're fine. You're doing well. Everything's good. There's no bridge out ahead. But the warning needs to happen. The warning needs to be explained that the bridge is out. There's a thing called sin, and it just doesn't automatically go away. And check this out. Let's fast forward from the garden to Paul's last letter that he wrote. And while he's in prison, and it's 2 Timothy chapter 3. Look at this. It's almost a prophecy. He says, but know this, that in the last days, many of us feel like we're in the last days, and we can see some warning signs of this, maybe Jesus coming back. And and this is the last days. Perilous times will come. Look at this. For men will be. Now listen to this. Lovers of themselves. Anybody in here this week love you some you this week? (laughs) Did you you find yourself loving yourself a little bit too much in certain areas? They will be lovers of money. Boy, oh boy. Even though we have about 6% of the The world's population, we have about 54% of the world's wealth. And if we're not careful, guess what? We can be lovers of money and get totally distracted. Lovers of money. They were boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, Unforgiving, slanderers without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty. Look at this, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Having a form of godliness, but denying its power. And from such people, turn away. Do you guys realize? Warning, warning, bridge out. And and it doesn't matter. We can all get tempted into this. Whether we be here and know Christ, or we be here and we don't know Christ as Savior. I'm reminded of a story uh, of a guy named David Nasser. David Nasser grew up in an Islamic home. He was in Iran. His family defected from Iran and wound up in Alabama, of all places. And so here he is in the Bible Belt, and his friends invited him to youth group, and he would go, and he got saved, and he came home, and he told his family he got saved, and his dad said, out my door and don't come back. It's a thing to become a Christian in an Islamic family. He was saved out of unrighteousness. His wife, his wife grew up in the church. Um, As a youth, an older youth, she was actually on the preacher search committee. Um, I mean, just one of these ideal, uh, one of these churchgoers, you know, a young kid just growing up, fabulous Christian. So she thought. But she realized one day when she was at a a youth evangelism conference, here she was as a chaperone, and she listened to the message, and she realized she was doing the church thing. She didn't have a relationship with the Lord. She didn't have an acceptance of Him as Savior, and she came to know Christ. David and this girl got married, and look at how they came to salvation. One out of unrighteousness, and one out of self-righteousness. Be careful. We're not going to assume anybody in here is a believer. You know, you know with the Lord. But the warning is, and the tragedy would be, is if you left this place and you didn't hear the warning. I'm reminded of a story that it was a double yellow line. These guys were going to prank some people And so they decided it'd be funny to to redraw the double yellow lines on one of these curvy back hill roads out in the country. And so they they paint new yellow lines and and they kind of black out the the other yellow lines. And it led a bus full of kids coming back from um, a football game right off of a cliff. Everybody died. You've got to understand, there's things that happen, that are these double yellow lines, that are repainted, that culture wants to tell us, oh, follow this, follow this, follow this. Be lovers of money. be Have pleasure. Have the fun. Go after these things. And they all lead us, not heeding the warning of needing a Savior, and they lead us right off into a place called hell that the Bible talks about and Jesus warns us of. If you don't heed the warning, be careful. What would happen? What a tragedy that would be. We're in a spiritual battle. Many of us didn't know the battle was going to start happening when 9 11 hit. But what made people come to the churches and start praying? Many of you saw it, right? Many of you saw the reactions of people. Oh, we need to pray. We need to pray. We need to pray. And it lasted a little while. Until in Deuteronomy chapter 8. Turn to Deuteronomy chapter 8. Boy, the Lord warned. Deuteronomy chapter 8. Verse 1 here. Every commandment which I command you today, you must be careful to observe that you may live and multiply and go in and possess the land of which the Lord swore to your fathers. And you shall remember that the Lord your God led you all these way forty years in the wilderness. To humble and test you, to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. So he humbled you, allowed you to hunger and fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you know that man shall not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Lord. Your your garments did not wear out on you, nor did your foot swell these forty years. You should know in your heart that as a man chastens his son, so the Lord your God chastens you. Therefore you shall keep the commandments of the Lord your God to walk in His ways and to fear Him. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, A land of brooks, of water, of fountains and springs that flow out of valleys and hills. A land of wheat and barley, of vines and fig and trees and pomegranates. A land of olive oil and honey. A land in which you will eat bread without scarcity, in which you will lack nothing. A land whose stones are iron, and out of whose hills you can dig copper. When you have eaten, listen to this, warning. When you have eaten and are full, Then you shall bless the Lord your God for the good land which he has given you. Beware that you don't forget the Lord your God by not keeping his commandments, his judgments and his statutes, which I command you today. Lest when you have eaten and are full and have built beautiful houses and dwell in them, and when your herds and your flocks multiply and your silver and your gold are multiplied and all that you have is multiplied, when your heart is lifted up and you forget the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. That's the warning we are in today. Are we so far removed from September 11th? And what we realized was we weren't in control of things. So people sought the Lord when we weren't in control. And folks, I don't want us to be so far removed from September 11th that we forget the Lord our God. Warning, warning. What double lines are you following that you lead over this way? Off the path of remembering God. Lord, help us. Lord, may we be warned today. We are in a spiritual battle. We have targets on our back. The enemy wants to get us, distract us, cause us to stumble, be lovers of ourselves rather than lovers of you. Lord, may we heed the warning. Lord, there are people here today, we're all coming here to the altar with different stories, different temptations, different struggles, different weeks. Some of us have had a great week. Some of us have weeks that we're hurting. We're in despair. We need you. God, I pray this morning we would find the hope. We would find a renewed spirit. We would find salvation only in you, God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you attend, turn your attention to the video?
2: Praise God, he has risen. Our Lord Jesus Christ reigns as head of our church. And the things which Brother Tim has mentioned this morning, which he has spoken to, we are well aware of. The church knows the hope, the message of hope. We know the good news. And so often we need to be called to remembrance what this good news means for us that the good news still needs to be active in our lives today. And the reason is because there is a whole world out there that has yet to know it and to understand it. They don't they have not yet grasped with full understanding the meaning of all the things that are that are going on. We live in a broken world. We're surrounded by broken lives, broken relationships, broken systems. We see it in the poverty, in the suffering, in the violence, in the pain, and the death all around us. And this leads us. It leads the whole of, of mankind on this search for a way to make life work. But even in the face of this blackness and this corruption, we see beauty. We see evidence of design, purpose, Genesis chapter 1 verse 31 said that God saw everything that He had made and indeed it was very good. You see, as, as Tim mentioned earlier, the, the Bible tells us that originally God planned a world that worked perfectly. Everything and everyone worked together, fit together in harmony. And it was a glorious, glorious creation. And the psalmist says in Psalm 19.1, the heavens declare the glory of God. And the, the firmament shows his handiwork still today. Because God had created it and he created it for good. He created it for us, for us to enjoy, for us to oversee and for us to enjoy him all of our days. God made us with purpose. And that purpose was to worship him and to walk with him. To follow him and to serve him every day of our lives. But life doesn't work when we ignore God and his original design for our lives. Listen to what the Bible says over in Romans chapter 1. For since the creation of the the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even His eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Because although they knew God, they did not glorify Him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts. Their foolish hearts were darkened, professing to be wise, they became fools, and changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man and birds. And four-footed beasts and creepy things. You see, this is a picture of mankind today as he stubbornly, willfully, and rebelliously insists on doing things his own way. Instead of the way that God has planned for us. And the Bible calls this sin. It is sin. Romans 3.23 says, all have sinned. It's an indictment on upon every single one of us that we were born into this sin and that today were it not for the grace of God, Almighty God, and His gift through Jesus Christ that we would have no hope. For we all sin. We all distorted the original design. And the Bible says in, in Romans chapter 6, verse 23, that the wages, the consequences of this sin is death. That's separation from God. Sin means a, 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 a judgment upon mankind to be separated from God, not only in this life, but for all of eternity. And that's where we discover the brokenness in this sin. As we stubbornly refuse to follow God's ways, to recognize him in his right to rule in our lives because we belong to him. But we have, we have stolen ourselves away from Him and claiming our own right. And we realize as we see this all around this, this brokenness that we have descended into, we suddenly f- discover, we realize that life just isn't working and we begin looking for a way out. It reminds me of the story that Jesus told in In Luke chapter 15, about the son, the rebellious son that stood up to his father and said, Father, I want what is mine, and I want it now. I want my inheritance, because I want to go out and find my own way in the world. And he did. And oh, as long as it lasted, he had a good time until it all ran out. Until he fell so deep in the hole, he fell so deep into the brokenness, he couldn't see his way out. And no one was there to help him. But the vision of his father and his father's house came back to him. And he realized that there was only one way out. And he said, I will go home. I will go back home. And even if I am only a doorkeeper in my father's house. But until we reach that that realization until we come to that place, you see we will never we will continue in this brokenness. We tend to go in so many different directions trying different things to figure it all out on our own. Oh we are so filled with pride in the knowledge, the knowledge that we have obtained with our technology and our science and we think we have all the answers. but in the end, As Proverbs 14, 12 says, There is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. Brokenness. You see, this brokenness leads us to the place where we realize that we need something beyond ourselves. We need something greater than ourselves. We need a solution. We need a remedy. We need some good news. And it's because of God's love for us that he didn't leave us in this brokenness. Because of his love for us, John 3.16 tells us that God loved the world so much that he gave his only begotten son. God in human flesh who condescended from the glories of heaven, from the throne room of heaven, came to this earth came to us and he lived life perfectly according to God's design. Well, you see, Jesus came to rescue us. He came to reveal the Father to us and to show us that there is a way out of this brokenness. And he came to do for us what we could not do for ourselves. And Colossians 2.14 says, He erased the certificate of debt. And he has taken it out of the way by nailing it to the cross. Jesus did that for you and I. Jesus paid our debt that we incurred when we turned our backs on the Father, rebelling against him and seeking our own way. He took our sin and our shame to the cross, paying the penalty for our sin by his death. In 1 Corinthians 15 verses 3 and 4 says Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. He was buried and he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. The scriptures had foretold for centuries since the very beginning that God had already his great plan of the ages, his plan of redemption was at work. God had already implemented it. And in God's time, at his choosing of his own time, when the times were to be fulfilled, he sent his son to this earth in order that he might reveal himself to you and I. And that we might discover him by his grace. Jesus was raised from the dead to provide the only way for us to be rescued and restored to a right relationship with God. But listen my friends we you know we as as church members we as the children of god need to be reminded of this of this wonderful story we need to hear it again because we we need to be we we need to be uh, moved again to do the things which the, to fulfill the calling which god has placed upon our lives You may have folks here in our sanctuary, in our congregation this morning, who have yet to discover that, to make that decision, to choose what God has placed before them. And so I'm here to tell you that hearing this good news is not enough. God calls for a decision. That decision is that, that we must admit to God who we are. We must admit to God what we have done. We must admit our selfishness and we must stop trusting in ourselves. We are commanded in the scriptures to repent and to believe the good news. We have traveled the way long enough away from God. We We have been go- we've gone far enough away from God. We've turned our back on him. We've rebelled against God. And God is calling. He is through all of these times. Down through the centuries. God has reached out. Continuing to call upon us. To turn back to him. And he's drawing us toward him. To him. With his cords of loving kindness. God's great heart. Bleeds for us. It bled on Calvary's cross. God's call to us is to hear the great hope and to believe in this great hope which he has sent into this world. And so that is what repentance is. It's turning from the way that we have been going and turning back to God again. When Jesus was upon this earth, in the course of his ministry, he uh, he very quickly... Uh, encountered enemies those that were against everything that he stood for the righteousness of god there were those those experts in the law the teachers of the law and the religious leadership those pharisees who were so hostile to jesus and that hostility continued to grow as it and it, as it even developed into a plan to crucify him to kill him But Jesus continued. And one day, one of those experts in the law came up to Jesus and he said, I will follow you wherever you go. What is this? A scribe, one of the enemies of Jesus and all that God has stood for, comes to Jesus and said, I will follow you? He sounded sincere. And what a coup for Jesus this would be for one of the enemies of God to turn and become one of the team that Jesus was leading to becoming a child of God. But Jesus, Jesus saw through him all the way to his heart. And Jesus turned and looked at him and he said, the foxes of the, have holes and the birds of the air have nests, but the son of man has nowhere to lay his head. The creator, the son of God and creator of all things came to this earth and he hasn't even a place to lay his head. He walked the dusty roads of Palestine, preaching with nothing but the clothes that were on his back. He put up with the abuse that was heaped upon him by his enemies. And he continued. Jesus was not concerned for his comfort. He wasn't concerned for his prestige. Jesus wasn't concerned for uh, uh, noter, uh, that uh, he be exalted and and be made emperor. Jesus' was c- concern was for the kingdom of God and that those who needed to hear, those who were in this place of brokenness and were truly searching with all our hearts for a way out would hear the message of hope and would come to him. And so Jesus says, us. Repent and believe. And turning to Jesus and accepting him, accepting who we are and what we need and the fact that we are hopeless without him, that is what it means to accept him as Lord and Savior as the ruler of our life. To believe in him as the only one. Romans 10 9 says, if you confess with your mouth Jesus says, Lord, and believe with all your heart that God has raised you from the dead. You will be saved. You see, in believing, we receive new life through Jesus and God turns our lives in a new direction. Now we can pursue God's design in all areas of our life. Philippians 2.13 says, For it is God who is working in you, enabling you both to desire and to work out his good purpose. Even when we fail. Even when we fail, we understand God's pathway in being restored. It's that same good news of Jesus. You see, we don't, God doesn't call us just to, uh, back to Him, just to take His name. And then they're just continuing to live our lives the way we have always lived before. He's not calling us to come through the the baptismal waters and then then, uh, come up out of those waters and put the same old clothes back on again and, and continuing with our life. The Apostle Paul says, we are made new creatures. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And that is the way that we are to live and to believe and to think and to act. Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are His creation. We are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared in advance for you and I to do for His glory. You see, we are not alone any longer. When you come to Jesus, then He is with you for eternity. He will never leave you He will never forsake you. And you will always have the resources. You will always have the strength. You will always have the presence of mind as long as you walk with him and are focused upon him to know what it is that he is asking of you to be faithful to him. So God's spirit empowers us to recover his design in our lives and his spirit assures us of his presence in this life and for all of eternity so now now you must choose to welcome you this morning to this altar it is open for you you may not know the Lord Jesus Christ or have never professed him before but you can now Having heard the message of hope, now knowing the truth, now is the time. Do not turn away. Do not walk out of here without having made the decision to ask Jesus Christ into your life. To deny yourself. To take up his cross, your cross, and to follow him daily. Will you make that decision today? Church member, you may have made that decision when you were a child. You may have gone through the waters of baptism but things just never really changed in your life. You continued to live the same old good life that you had grown up in. Never really known the hardship of being a Christ follower because you never knew what it meant to deny yourself and to follow him. Ask for his help. Lord, teach me what it means to follow you. Teach me what it means, Lord, to deny all these things that I have trusted in all of my life and to come and accept only you into my life. The invitation is open to you. Will you come this morning? Right now, we're going to sing this song, this hymn of invitation. It's a wonderful time for you to just step forward here to the altar and just say, I want I want to make Jesus Christ. I want him to be Lord of my life. Or I've walked too long. I've walked too long pretending. And I want to make it real in my life. Will you come together as we stand and sing?
3: Decision you ever make is that day that you come to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. The second greatest decision is when you began to express and to be able to share with others of what God has done. And that's exactly what several have done today. That God has remarkably and miraculously saved them. And that they're coming forward to. Uh, publicly professing Christ as their Lord and Savior. And so we praise the Lord. Would you be seated just for a few moments? Matt, how about you, Marie, come up here. All right. Everybody already knows Get Matt. Yeah. This is Matt Lovato. Matt is uh, Marie's husband, of course. And uh, this past Wednesday... Brother Gerald uh, led Matt to the Lord. And isn't that wonderful and exciting? Amen. Amen. She has her rock. One of the great things was the first thing that she did when Matt came up here, she picked up that rock that had his name on it and claimed it, and believed that God heard and answered her prayers. And that's exactly what's happened. Amen. Because of the prayers of, I believe, of his wife, and of his family, and of his church, that, Matt, you have come to know the Lord as your Lord and Savior. And you know that without a question, that Amen. Christ has come in your heart, and he has saved you, and that uh, you coming today to be baptized in his likeness. Amen. 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 Praise the Lord. Once again, have a seat there. Just a little while, be, you can have a seat there. We're going to allow you to come back and, uh, yes. Come on up here, Jamie. Karen, how about you coming on up here? This is Jamie La- Qu- Quella. Okay, very good. <laughs> this is uh, Karen's sister. Yeah. And uh, how exciting this is. Yeah. She come to know the Lord, and she wants to make it public and to be baptized in His likeness today. Isn't that wonderful? Yeah. Praise the Lord. God bless you, Jamie. You. I'm excited about what God's done in your life and knowing that He is going to do even greater things in the future. By you coming forward today, you are saying I'm not ashamed of what God has done in my life and that you are publicly professing to the Lord that Christ is your Lord and Savior. Amen. God bless you. Thank you again. All right.
0: Elena.
3: Elena. I'm sorry. Come on up here, Elena. Elena Herrera. Come on up here, mom. Oh, isn't she precious? Come on up here. This sweet little girl trusted the Lord as her Savior and her Lord and her mom led her, I guess, to the Lord. Is that right? Sure. Mom and Dad. It's been a couple years. Yeah, well, we're excited about her coming forward today. And you know that Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior today? Amen. Bless your heart, sweetie. Faith of a little child. Amen. And she is going to be baptized as well in her likeness. Well, praise the Lord. You may be seated just over here for a few moments. Isn't God great? Amen. Man, I'm telling you what. The devil has been trying to, uh, I don't know, combat against this service, I seem like, all morning long. But we have the victory. Amen? Amen? And we have seen the victory here today. Praise the Lord. Well, we want to... Uh, Brother Ken, how about you come and lead us as we uh, begin this time of worship of taking up our offering. And so guys, would you come? Brother Ken, would you lead
2: us in prayer? All right. The, uh, the joy that we have is... In seeing these offerings now. That are being made to God. The offering of lives. As the Apostle Paul said. I beseech you therefore brethren. By the mercies of God. That you make yourselves a living sacrifice. On the altar of service. Serving the Lord Jesus Christ. And so. As we. Come to this part of the service this morning. What we are doing. Is. Is. Publicly as well as inwardly within our hearts expressing to each other and to God our devotion to our Lord Jesus Christ. For the offerings that we give here, our tithes and gifts represent our devotion to our Lord Jesus Christ and to His kingdom. And it is, so we need to ask God to, to give us a good spirit, a proper spirit, a generous spirit. As we give to him. Ourselves. And these gifts. May they be sanctified. By our faith. And by the Holy Spirit. Will you pray with me please. Our Father and our God. We thank you. For the fullness of your grace. And for the gift of your son. Our Lord Jesus Christ. Lord truly he has. Erased our debt. We have been set free. And that Lord. We know and we gladly proclaim that we belong to you. And not only we ourselves, but everything that we have, everything that we are, everything that we hope for and hope in, Lord, is in you. And so it is with glad hearts. And we pray, Father, with generous hearts that we offer to you these ties, these offerings. Oh, Lord. And as we give from our hearts, may the windows of heaven open and the blessings of God just shower upon us. And that we may be a living testimony to the fullness of your grace in our lives. And use these, Lord, for your glory and the spread of your kingdom here upon this earth. Because we ask it in the precious and holy name of Jesus. Amen.
3: opportunities that the church has today is a day and a time as the distress that we're living in turn to our Almighty God that we serve. And one of the ways that we are able to turn to him is through our worship and certainly to express our gratitude and praise to our precious name, our Lord and Savior. We have much to be thankful for even in this church today, have we not? We saw three precious ones coming forward today, giving attention about that Christ has become Lord and Savior of their life. But you know what? As I go back into the Old Testament, and I began to study some wonderful stories of how God began to lead His people in the midst of distress, in the midst of of despair, in the midst of fear, that how Jehoshaphat was one of God's leaders, led his children, led the children of Israel to a time of worship and a time of praise. Did you realize that we all are in a battle? Those battles come to us in many different ways. Sometimes south, has become one of the greatest enemies of our own lives, of the intimidation and the fear that we're not meeting up to expectancy. And there we fight that battle. Sometimes we fight the battles in our world. Sometimes we fight the battles on our jobs. Sometimes we fight the battles in our homes. And we've become... Very fearful. I want you to take your Bibles and turn with me to 2 Chronicles chapter 20. Here is a beautiful story of how Jehoshaphat led the children of Israel. They had been wandering for 40 years, and now they're getting ready to cross over the river Jordan. And there they began to face some mighty enemies and those enemies became very fearful in their sight. In fact, in fact, there were three different enemies that they began to face. There in second chronicles chapter 20 in verses 1 and 2. I'd like for you to look at it. It says, it happened after this that the people of Moab and the people of Ammon and the others with them besides of the Ammonites came to a battle against Jehoshaphat. There was some great, I mean, there's some came and told Jehoshaphat, saying, A great multitude is coming in against you from beyond the sea. In other words, they were coming in all different directions. And Jehoshaphat was very fearful. Look what the Bible says in verse 3, just for a moment. The Bible says in verse 3, And Jehoshaphat feared and set himself to seek the Lord and proclaim a fast throughout all of Judah. When you think about our day, and you think about all that is going on, the racial tension, you think about the high rise of crime, you think about the elections that are coming up in just a uh, uh, less than a couple of months. We find ourselves faced seeming like with a lot of fears. What in the world do you do in the midst of those fears? Well, look what the Bible says in verse 21. It says, And when he had consulted with the people, he appointed those who should sing to the Lord, and who should praise the beauty of holiness as they went out before the army and were saying, Praise the Lord, For his mercy endures forever. Now when they began to sing and to praise, the Lord set ambushes against the people of Ammonim and Moab and Mount Seir who had come against Judah and they were defeated. Did you realize that one of the greatest ways to defeat the enemy is by worship? worshiping Him with all of our heart and with all of our soul and with all of our might. But you know what? Worship is not just coming together at 10.30 in the morning on Sunday and that we sing a few songs and we take up the offering and hear the preacher preach. We sometimes say that we've gone to worship service. My friend, if you have not worshipped before you came, my friend, you will not worship during the midst of the time that you're here. 24 hours, 7 days a week should be a time of worship. And one of the greatest lessons that we can learn today is to pick up, say, for example, the book of Psalms and just begin to sing unto the Lord and to praise Him and to honor Him, and to give Him glory. I'm so grateful and thankful for our country. I'm thankful that we have the rights that God has given to us with our country today. I'm thankful that we have the freedoms to be able to express ourselves. Sometimes I don't always like the way some people express themselves, but I am grateful to know that we live in a country that gives them that right and gives them that freedom. I be honest with you today, I have real problems with people that won't stand for the flag. And uh, that flag represents so much. It represents a lot of, a lot of blood, a lot of lives that has been given so that we can come together as one nation under God in the visible with liberty and justice for all. And my friend, I am glad to be an American. And I'd rather be an American than anything else other than, of course, knowing the Lord is my Savior. I'm going to ask Brother Dwayne to come. He's going to sing a song or one of my favorite songs. And I believe that when you hear it, you will be, you'll be reminded it's probably one of your favorite songs. So Brother Dwayne, would you come and lead us at this time?
4: Tomorrow, all my things are gone. I've worked for all my life, and I had to start again, which is my children and my wife. I thank my God above to be living here today, because a flag still stands for freedom, and they can't take that away. I'm proud to be an American where at least I know I'm free and I won't forget the ones who died and gave that right to me and I'll gladly stand up next to you and defend her still today for there ain't no doubt I love this land God bless the USA USA From the lakes of Minnesota To the hills of Tennessee Across the plains of Texas From sea to shining sea From Detroit down to Houston And New York to L.A. Well, it's time for every American heart It's time to stand and say We're proud to be an American, where at least we knew I'm free. And I won't forget the ones who've died and gave that right to me. And I'll gladly stand up next to you and defend her still today. For there ain't no doubt I love this land. God bless the U.S.A. To be an American Where at least I know I'm free And I won't forget The ones who died And gave that right to me And I'll gladly stand up Next to you And defend her still today Well there ain't no doubt I love this land God bless the
3: U.S.A. Amen. You may be seated. We have much to be thankful for, but I be honest with you, as I look across our land my heart weeps. It weeps of how we have seen to turn away from God and turn away from the importance of what the Bible has to say about what sin is all about. We live in a society today that if it feels good, do it. We live in a society today with a philosophy is that what I might do, you may not agree with, but I may not agree with what you do. But that doesn't mean that I'm wrong. Doesn't mean that you're right. But I am reminded that the Scriptures never change. And what the Scriptures said yesterday is the very thing it is saying today. And I believe with all my heart that our nation needs a revival. But I believe that before it will ever begin and it be experienced in our nation, it must be experienced within our churches today. And in order for it to be experienced in our churches, it must be experienced in my own life. And so, as I ask god god what's the answer to all of our problems today i can't help not but to go back to the scriptures of second chronicles chapter 7 verse 14 i have written in my bible a prescription for a sick country my friend our land is sick It is sick with sin. It is sick with selfishness. It is sick with humanism. It is sick in every despairing way you can possibly imagine. But listen to what the Lord said. If. Now I want you to notice that word, if. It's a condition. That word, if is a condition that if my people, who is he talking about? He's talking about, I believe, children of the Lord. That we are his people and he is our God. He is our shepherd and we are his sheep. If my people who are called by my name, what do we call ourselves? We call ourselves Christians, Christ like, will humble, themselves humble when's the last time you've come to an old fashioned altar and you humbled yourself you say well I can pray just as good in my seat as I can at the altar yes you can but I, there's something about coming to an old altar it's a place where God has represented a place where I meet you. Humbling yourself. Denying yourself. Repenting from your pride. And he says that if you'll pray and seek my face, seek the almighty face of God, My friend, I'm so thankful to know that the answer to this problem that we have in America today is not going to be answered on the election that will happen in November. That's not going to be the answer, whoever who is elected. But my friend, I want you to understand, our answer is God and God alone. And it says, and will seek my face, turn from their wicked ways, then, there's that condition. If you'll do what I ask you to do, he says, then I will hear. Do you not desire for God to hear our prayers today? Hear from heaven and forgive their sin. And heal their land. Forgive their sin. And heal their land. Here's what I want to do this morning. I want to conclude our services today. A time of prayer. Our instruments. instruments, is The ladies and gentlemen are going to be playing them. And will be leading us in this invitation. I want our church to come to an old-fashioned prayer meeting like we have never experienced before. And so what I'm going to ask you to do, I'm going to ask as many as you can as possible, make your way to the altar. Some of you may need to get into the aisles, or but somewhere I want you to kneel with us or to stand. And that it let us go to the Lord, praying for our nation, praying for our election, praying that God might do a supernatural work in the life of this great country. Would you join with me in that today? Would you stand as we stand and as they began to play, would you come and join with me as we pray to the Lord. dear God, we come before your mighty presence today acknowledging that you're a God of love, but you're a God of righteousness and you're a God of wrath. God, as we look around our nation today, we weep because we see where well, we have drifted far, far, far away. There was a time that we could say, We are a nation that is a nation that is under God. But oh, it seems like we have found ourselves drifted so far away that we cannot say that again. Oh God, we have allowed Sin to come into our lives and we have changed our vocabulary and we no longer call sin, sin. We no longer call it what you call it. And oh Lord, until we come to that point and place in our life of acknowledging that our ways are not your ways... And your ways are not our ways, but, Lord, that your ways is a way of righteousness and a way of holiness. Oh, God, we come before your mighty presence asking you and begging you today to forgive us of our sins. Forgive us of where we have failed to acknowledge you as Lord. Lord, in our churches we have become complacent. In our churches we have become settled with just doing the same old thing over and over and over again. Found so, we find ourselves so secure in our own little world. And we've got our heads in the sand. Oh God, may you erupt a mighty revival in the midst of your people today. And let it begin with me today. Oh God, forgive me of the times that I have failed you. And forgive me of the times that my faith has been has grown weary. Forgive me of the times that I have not stood. And the times that I should have stood. And the times that I should have spoke when I had not spoken. Oh, God, forgive me. Lord, thank you for my family and thank you for my children and my grandchildren and thank you for the way that you have blessed in a manner that I could never, ever thank you enough. Help me not to take the blessings of God for granted. Thank you for my church, dear Lord, for the church that we're able to come and have the freedom to sing and the freedom to open up our Bibles and the freedom to be able to worship. Thank you, dear Lord, for seeing men and women, boys and girls, walk the aisles and giving their heart to the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Thank you. But oh, dear God, today... We pray for wisdom. We're reminded in James as he reminds us that if we lack wisdom, it's to ask and that he would give it unabraidedly And Father, we need your wisdom. We need your counsel. We need your love and your protection. We need your power. We need your leadership upon the lives of your people. Oh, God bless America, dear Lord, is our prayer today. And Father, we'll thank you and praise you and honor you in the days to come. Believing as you have given victory, you're going to give us victory. And we're going to see a mighty movement of God starting in this place throughout this community and throughout the world, is our prayer. Lord, you see your people. You see them on their knees. You see the tears that is upon their cheeks. And we believe that you will hear and answer. God bless you. We honor you and praise you today. For we ask it in the blessed, wonderful name of Jesus our Lord and Savior. And all God's people said with a hearty amen, amen. Praise the Lord. God bless you. Thank you for being here today.